Morning. What's that? What's that? My groupies. No, they're my they're legends, aren't they? Honestly. That was so funky. I could go on for a while doing that, but I thought it'd be slight, before it'd be fun to do something a bit different. Um, today, I need I need you with me today. Because we need to talk about a whole chapter in the Bible, which is always, you know, easy to read the Bible, isn't it? Um, so can we just have everyone quickly stand on their feet, please? Is that all right? Does everyone stand on their feet? Just quickly. And if you're able to, you can just put your hands in the air, both hands. And then just kind of do this action. Right. I just want... No, 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 no. This is not the Olympics. I'm not going to do a, a long jump. So it's going one, two, three, clap. One, two, three. Right. And now I want to go... Ooh, like that, okay? So, ooh, right, so on three. One, two, three. Ooh, One more time. One, two, three. Ooh, All right, sit down. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That, that has no relevance to the Bible. I just wanted to get you all awake. That was the. Uh... <laughs> you all awake? <laughs> right. Yeah, they are, for sure. So, um, I'd, yeah, when I say on you with me, though, is anyone here know Adam King? Adam King? Anyone know Adam King? Come on. Kingy? I need a room full of kingies today. Just, you know, he, he doesn't hold back. Do you know when he, you know, like the first song on a worship set, he, he will come in late and just kind of go, Wee! Woo! So when, when I'm, you know, if you agree with anything I say, please do say you agree by saying, Woo! In fact, if I look at you and go, Wow, can you all go, Wow, with me? That would encourage me a lot, and then I'll, I'll do better, I promise. Um, so today we're going to look at Romans 7, uh, which is um, a letter that Paul wrote. We'll look at it in a second. So we need to know two things before we go in and read this chapter. Uh, he's talking here about the law. And the law is something you didn't know, that in the Old Testament, the Christians were under, were under this law, where it was like a series of things that you should do and a series of things that you shouldn't do. And if you did something wrong... You had to atone for your sins by doing a series of actions like killing five lambs, strangling a chicken, and dripping blood on a mat somewhere. Genuinely, it's very detailed to what you should do. And it was this whole, so it became like a full-time job to live a normal life because you're constantly atoning for sins. Um, so if you, li- you read the Old Testament, it's really annoying because the Israelites constantly get it wrong. Like they get the promised land and then they'll start worshipping idols all of a sudden and then they would lose the promised land and then they would get it again and it was just, but actually we're, we're kind of, we are kind of like Israelites because we always do that anyway. But he's talking about that law in this post-Jesus. So Jesus has come, he's died on the cross and he's talking about the law after Jesus' death and resurrection. Wow. Look at that, that's perfect. Um, and then we need to know who Paul is. So rather than reading a timeline of Paul's life, which is pretty incredible, he's this amazing icon. So I've got a picture here of a guy called um, Paul Newman. Woohoo! Wow. Wow. This guy is a style icon. So lots of things that we wear today are because of this chap. You want the next picture? He's a handsome dude. He rides nice cars. The next picture again? This picture here of Paul Newman, that watch he's wearing is a Rolex Daytona. That sold, I think it was last year, for $17.8 million because he wore it. And in fact, he made it so popular that Rolex have a line of Rolex Daytonas called the Paul Newman Daytonas, which is a heritage line, and all about 10,000 quid. So he was an icon. Yeah. So if any of you feel that like you need to bless me, 
at Christmas with a Rolex Daytona. I'll accept it gracefully. But <laughs> So, obviously, this is not biblical, but this is what Paul was like. He was this, like, mammoth of a Christian. Do you know what I mean? He was a wise man. People respected him. They listened to what he said. He was an icon in the Christian faith. You can go back, because I don't want to be standing next to a good-looking man too long. You will start seeing the differences. Do you want back one more? No, another one. There we go. Good. So Paul, so Paul, he wasn't Paul Newman, but he was this icon. He was this massive, you know, this, this guy that was wise. People trusted him. And in Romans, he writes this. And we're going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to break it down a little bit. So Romans 7, this is the NLT, uh, no longer bound to the law. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a, when a woman marries, the law binds her to husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the law of marriage no longer apply to her. So while her husband is alive, she will be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we have released from the law... For we die to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. The next section is God's law reveals our sin. Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me and my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet. But sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me. If there were no law, sin would not have that power. At one time I lived without understanding the law, but when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me, but still the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. The next slide is struggling with sin so the trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good the trouble is with me for I am all too human a slave to sin I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right but I don't do it instead I do what I hate but if I know that what I am doing is wrong this shows me that I agree that the law is good so I am not the one doing wrong it is the sin living in me that does it And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, am I really the one doing wrong? Is it the sin living in me that does it? I have discovered this principle of life. 
that when I want to do what is right, I never be do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. There's quite a lot in there. There's quite a lot of do's, but I don't, and I want to, but I don't know how to do's, and, and it's kind of confusing. Um, and I had to read this literally 15 times to really understand what Paul was trying to say in this. And we actually discussed it at Life Group, remember? This was like six months ago. I still didn't get it then after we all discussed it together. I still didn't get it. So that's why I need you with me on this, because it's really important that we understand what Paul's saying in this, because there's a foundation here, because Paul's explaining to us how Jesus dying on the cross sets us free from sin. Because I, when I read this, and when I started to understand it, I had a revelation of God, right? I had a, rev- a fresh revelation. It was amazing, because I knew that God died on the cross, and I was forgiven for my sins, but I didn't really understand why that, why him dying meant that I was free. I didn't really understand how that connected it to me and what the sort of scientific equations were in play that was allowing me to live in freedom. So if you don't understand it, it's really easy not to accept it or not to believe it when it's tough, right? So if we look at it and break it down into three sections, so we go back to the first one, which was um, no longer bound to the law. That's the one. So Paul uses this like, description of marriage, right? So we're talking about the old law, this series of rules that you would have to do in order to live a good, godly life. And if you did it wrong, you had to do all these things to atone for your sins, like kill lambs and stuff. That's a genuine, people used to kill lots of lambs. And that's to be good quality lambs as well, not, not, not maimed ones. If you use a maimed one, you have to use more than one lamb to equate to the one equal lamb. It's a lot, very confusing thing. But the law was a very strict regime. But Paul says that like a marriage, when, you're mar- when, a mar- when a woman's married to a man, she's in that illegal relationship with him. She's lawfully bound to that man. If she were then to remarry another man while she was still married to the first man, that would be adultery. But if he was to die, her first husband, and she remarried, that's fine. Because she's no longer in that lawful relationship with that man. So when he dies and she remarries, it's fine. And just like that, what Paul's saying is that when we become a Christian and we accept the Holy Spirit in our life, that relationship we had with the old law, that relationship we had with that old rule, that whole set of rules, we die to that through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for us. He died for that law, to appease that law. He lived a perfect life as a human on this world, and he died on the cross, and when we accept him into our life, he dies, which frees that lawful binding for a new relationship with God. Right? And that's where sin dies, in that place there. Because we, ha- we, can't, we can't be punished for those sins in that way because we're no longer legally binding to that old set of rules. We're under a new set of rules with God, and it's completely separate from those rules. So Paul's trying to explain this concept to these Christians, or to these new Christians, or these people, so they understand that actually the fact that Jesus dies, you no longer have to abide by these laws. They don't all, let me correct myself there, they don't, hold power over you they can't kill you it talks in about how sin leads to death because when we're bound to the law 
we would gain our salvation by obeying the law. So by sinning and disobeying the law, we would lead to spiritual death and we wouldn't get access to the inheritance of God or get access to heaven. We end up going the other way. But not anymore because we've been remarried. Yeah? So when, does that make sense? If it doesn't, you can say, and I'll, I'll try and re-explain it, but we need to get that concept that we're no longer married to that because Jesus died on the cross. So that weight and that pressure that was on us, that relationship, when we accept God in our life, we die to that sin. That, those, those chains are left behind. So that set of rules and those laws no longer apply to us because we're looking at God. We're in a new relationship. So death has been beaten at that point. That's amazing news. Wow. Thank you. You got it. So go on to the next slide. So in this part of the chapter, Paul then, you know, if the law was making us die, is the law then bad? Those that all set of rules that God gave us, are those bad, are those sinful if they were leading us to die spiritually or to, to not be connected with God? Is this all making sense? Okay. And he's saying, you know, you may think it's bad, but of course it's not bad. See, he says that the law is a good thing. The law was a guide to how we should live our life. The law was saying how we should live in a holy way, how we should be connected with God. And that was how we used to gain salvation. The law was a good thing. The problem with the law was that when sin comes involved, sin made the law, would use the law in a devious way to make it a bad thing. It says that sin used the law for our condemnation. So he used the example of coveting. So he when he didn't know, when he desired things that weren't of God and he wanted these things, he didn't realize that coveting was wrong. But the law told him that coveting was wrong. So suddenly he realized that coveting was sin. And when coveting became sin, his nature was to covet. His nature was to want to do these things. And once his mind knew that that was a sin to do it, he had a desire, it says a devious desire to covet things. And at that point, he was sinning knowing that it was wrong. And that's when it became condemnation on his life because he knew what he was doing was wrong and he would do it anyway. So then he couldn't abide by the rules or couldn't abide by the law because his nature was to sin. So he kept getting it wrong. So he couldn't achieve his salvation because the rules were saying don't do that, but his nature kept making him do that. So the sin in our life uses the law for our condemnation. So it was no good. Our nature is to sin. And we can't follow the law. It wasn't good enough. We kept getting it wrong. We were never going to achieve salvation. Or when I say salvation, I mean access to heaven, receive his inheritance, receive everything good from God because we were never good enough to achieve that. So the law wasn't bad. It's our nature that's bad. It's the sin in us that makes, that, makes the law bad. It, it's devious and uses the law to condemn us. But don't worry, because remember, we're not married to that anymore. Yeah? We're not married to the law anymore. So it's good news, right? So because we can't do that, Jesus then came to the earth. God sent his son to save us from that fate, which was sure because our nature was to sin and we couldn't achieve the law. So we're no longer under that law. We're in a relationship with God, right? That's the good news, yeah? So we can learn about it. Let's not stress about it. Because <laughs> if you read this and you didn't understand that, you knew that God saved you, but you didn't understand that, it can be very hard to understand that, right? And I, I was convicted reading this, thinking that I was going to die or something and I had to read it a few times to really understand it so let's understand this principle let's get this foundation right because when we understand this we can really get access to God's grace understand what an amazing thing it is and how it works it's pretty fundamental to what we believe in 
So the next part is struggling with sin. So Paul, this icon, this handsome man, um, this guy who people respect and look up to, in humility admits that he finds sin hard. He talks about sin like anyone else. Like He says that, I know what is good. It's over here. I know what's good, but I don't actually do it all that often. And I, and I know what I shouldn't do is bad. The law has shown me what is sin, and I know I shouldn't do it, but I, I still do it anyway. So I know what's good, but I do what's wrong. This massive icon, this amazing man of God, this guy that is blessed by God, this guy that God uses, this man that people look up to and respect, is admitting in written proof that he finds sin, he struggles with it. So be encouraged, right? Paul, in the Bible, you read lots of things you read in the Bible, which goes, oh, that's amazing. That's Paul. He found sin hard. I can relate to that. You know, I've come to nights before I speak or before I come to church. I'm like, I'm there going, oh, I should do this. I'm going to do this anyway. And he says that he loves God, right? Paul says that he loves God and he's got this relationship with God. He loves the law that God gave him. He knows what's right and he still does what's wrong and he hates it. He hates that he does that. He, reads, he says this thing, which makes me laugh a little bit. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Oh, It sounds dramatic, but I get that. Can anyone relate to that? Like we have a relationship with God. We want to do what's right. We love God. We love him. And we try and do what's right. But we so often know what's wrong and do it anyway. And it's like, why am I like this? (laughs) Stop doing that. And it's not easy. It's not easy because it says, is it me that sins or is it my nature that's sinning? Is it our nature to sin? And Paul's suggesting and saying to us that actually if we think we're always going to not sin, we're never going to not sin. It's in our nature to sin. That's why God sent Jesus to this earth to die for us. If we could live a life without sinning, God wouldn't sacrifice his son. Do you know what I mean? That was like a, a sacrifice. You wouldn't do that lightly. It's because we can't actually attain that. We're always going to fall short of the glory. We're always going to fall short of that set of rules. That's why Jesus came and died for us, so we could attain um, freedom. Oh, what a terrible person I am. <laughs> so be encouraged, you know. That, that's, you, you would have, even if you didn't realize it, you would have read Paul in the Bible and think that he's amazing or what he's saying is really cool. And he's saying that he finds it really hard. So just as a, as a starting point here, let's just be encouraged by that. So what Paul's done here in this letter, he's created an idea, right? He's trying to explain what the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus meant for us as Christians. He's created this idea in Romans 7, and he goes into detail, and then he kind of tries to make it relatable by saying, I find it hard. We're all in the same boat here, but we all believe in God. We all love God, but we're still getting it wrong. I'm on the same boat as you guys. He says he creates this idea, and he says, I'm with you on it. I know you're confused. I know you think that the law might be bad, but don't worry about it. I understand. I find it hard. I'm struggling with it too. So in Romans 8, he spends a whole chapter trying to talk about what it's like to live in the the spirit or live in life. It says that sin leads to death. So when we become a Christian, we lose that relationship with God. We get the Holy Spirit in our life. Then we can live with the Holy Spirit and live with life. So sin is death and um, the Holy Spirit is life. That's why we've got Life over death. Do you get that? That's clever, eh? 
But the very first um, part of chapter, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, I'm going to put out some key points here. He says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So he's just said, I struggle with this because I know what's right and I do what's wrong and I hate myself. I don't understand myself. I've got this battle internally and I always get it wrong. And why does God love me? And is it really true? And he says, so there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Wow. Wow. Thank you. That is a wow moment. And later on in Romans, on, on verse 6, Paul says this. He says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spiritual control of your mind leads to life and peace. And that's really, when I read this part the first time, I didn't really understand what I was reading because it's all kind of, as I said, I want to do this, but I'm going to do this. And I didn't really know what he was saying. Before I even read that, this spoke to me. This kind of gave me a part of the revelation. We've got up there, have we? That's the one. Because he's saying here so clearly that, that even though we're saved, if we live with our mind in sin, then that will lead to, to our spiritual death. If we live our mind on, on, on the Holy Spirit, it leads to life. And this thing this really spoke to me. I think it's something that we, and I think this is what God wants, wants me to say today in this, in this message, or get a cross, or kind of plant a seed or something, because I think we live in quite a generation where we don't actually fully accept or understand the grace of God. And I think so often we're in this place where we know what's good, and we don't do it. And we know what's wrong, and we do that. And then we look at our sin. 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 And we look at our sin. And before we know it, we've got our back on God. Because we're focusing on what we've done wrong. We're focusing on the stuff that we're going to get wrong. Like we were going to get it right if we were better. right? Like we could not sin. And we sit there focusing on this stuff. And it's in that place where we focus on everything that we do wrong that you hear little voices from the enemy saying things like, you're not good enough. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't speak at church. You shouldn't sing in church. He didn't really ask you to do that thing. Why do you think you can do that? You're a bad person. You keep getting it wrong all the time. He doesn't forgive you. He's not real. And all these seeds of doubt and all these things come from us having our mind and our heart set on sin, looking at what we're doing wrong, looking at what's wrong, when it's in our nature to sin, and we always look at this thing, and we look at it like we could do better, right? And we probably could do better, but we're never going to get it perfect. It's going to be there. Sin is always going to be in our life, yet we still focus on it. Like we could attain freedom, like we can atone for our own sins and get freedom, which isn't true. And it's in that place when we're focusing on sin, we find things like anxiety. We find things like depression. We find things like fear. We find things like doubt and all the negative things that God doesn't want in your mind or your heart or your life. That's what we find it in that area. And Paul says that we have our minds on the Holy Spirit. We find life and we find peace. And I'm suggesting that today, rather than just constantly looking over our shoulder at the things we do wrong, maybe we should look at the thing that Jesus has done right and set us free from that law. So stop giving power to the sin 
Stop giving power to the sin by focusing on it. Let's start giving power to the life that God's given us, yeah? Because it's in the, in the times when we look at the Holy Spirit, we find breakthrough of depression. We find breakthrough of anxiety. We find breakthrough. We find peace. We find love. And we find the power of Christ. And we find forgiveness and grace. And we find acceptance. We find all the positive things that God wants over our life when we look this way rather than looking over our shoulder. There's only one person that wants you to believe this stuff. That's the enemy. Because we're no longer married to that law. The sin has no more power over our life. It can't beat us. We can't, this, Bob said it earlier, there's nothing we can do when we accept Christ into our life and the Holy Spirit's in there. The sin has no more power over us. We give it power when we sit there and we think it's more powerful than Jesus and we let it become more powerful than Jesus. And we try and beat it ourselves. And we try and flog it and then we suddenly focusing on it and our whole life is just focused on sin and then doubt and anxiety and horrible stuff and you don't enjoy coming to church because it's all miserable and you're a bad person and God doesn't really love you. And actually he's saying, look over here and I'm going to give you life and I'm going to give you peace because that's not true. I love you. Wow. And to kind of push this, and just but I'm saying this, right, I, I, I struggle with this, right? As Paul says it, he struggles with it. This is what he's saying. He, I'm talking about this like it's, like I know it's easy. It's not easy, is it, right? I know it's not easy. I'm talking about this from a place where I'm, I constantly do that. I said, sometimes I come to church, I'm not good enough to speak today because I did this last week or whatever, or... I'm on the leadership of the church and I've done something wrong. It's not right because it's got no power over me. I need to listen to this message as much as you do. This was a revelation for me. So I hope it's a revelation for you too and it can help us, you know, stand together. Because if Paul can admit he gets it wrong sometimes, I think we can all admit we get it wrong. And rather than judging each other, we can kind of stand by the other side of each other and walk through it together. And later on in Romans 8, uh, 15 to 17, it's the next slide, please, Ruth. He says it here. He says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins of our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. I think, like, I would say I'm like a mature Christian. I've been a Christian for a while. I've been growing up in church. I've absorbed a lot of Christianese in my life. I know lots of stories, and I read it, and go, oh, that's where that story's from. And lots of people here haven't got that, that benefit of having that background. And I think new Christians, mature Christians, once was a Christian, whatever, I think we all revert to this spirit of fear at times. And Paul says, when you became a Christian, you did not receive a spirit of fear. He says, you didn't become a, a Christian and then have the, the law tell you all these things you were doing were sinful so you could be afraid of sin. The law now tells us, now we're not married to it, tell us how we should live and we can try our best and we can get there and we can focus on God and overcome things, overcome addictions and get towards the right place. But it doesn't say you have to do that to, for me to love you. It says the opposite. It says you're no longer married to that way of living. You're married to me. 
You're married to the new way. That law can no longer beat you. You're under the new way of living. So it's really important we get this because we shouldn't be afraid of sin. I think that I live like I'm afraid of sin sometimes. I live like I'm not going to get salvation unless I do the right thing continuously for the right amount of time in a row before I die. I live like that. And God doesn't want that for us. Paul says you've not received a spirit of fear. So when you become a Christian and you understand that some of the things you were doing are wrong, it doesn't mean you're condemned. It means you've got something to work on. Do you know what I mean? And not only that, and this, this is a pretty, like, there's a lot of stuff in this little verse, this couple of verses here. Because he says that his spirit joins of our spirit. So we become a Christian, right? Let's just go through this step by step. We were living under this, if we were born X amount of years ago, we'd be living under this law where we had to atone for our sins to attain salvation. Right, Jesus came on the earth, he lived the perfect life, he died on the cross. We become Christians, we receive his Holy Spirit. Suddenly we die to our sin with Jesus. That sin is no longer pulling us down and condemning us to death. It breaks off our life so we go into a new relationship. We're no longer lawfully binded to this one. We're binded to God and Christ, right? So now we've beaten sin because of the actions that he did, not because of the actions we did. The only action we've done is had faith. The action that he did broke sin over our lives, okay? Now we're in this relationship with God. He's now saying that, when, our, when God comes into our life and we receive the Holy Spirit, our spirits combine and we become his children. And because we're his children, we become heirs to his inheritance. His inheritance is the life of eternity. His, li- his inheritance is the life of eternity. He's saying, don't receive this spirit of fear like God's looking at you and smacking you over the back for falling over and getting it wrong. God's not doing that. God has beaten sin, so you're not having to be afraid of fear. Let's stop living like we're afraid of fear, for goodness sake. Because Jesus died and beat it for us. We're his children. We're his heirs to his inheritance. There's something in there that's like powerful. And when I say, for goodness sake, and point at you guys, I'm pointing four back at me, you know. Because it's in our nature to sin. It's in our nature to get it wrong. It says here that we're a slave to that nature. We're a slave to sin. We need to start focusing on life more. I'm going to invite um, Steve and the band to come up, if you wouldn't mind just coming up. And I want to, rather than, you know, I think there's times to do really somber music and we can, you know, not somber, that's the wrong word, just like emotional music and just kind of pray and, and, and talk to God. I want us to worship God and like have that funky jam that Steve was playing at the start. I want us to stand up and worship God and stand in that grace that he's given us, right? Let's, let's stand in the fact that we know that the old law is no longer over our lives. But if you, I want to give you an opportunity, if you feel like, you're not in that place where you don't feel that or you've never had that relationship with God, when we're worshipping, please do come forward and just talk to someone on the front row and they'll pray for you. I just want to give you that opportunity. But I really encourage us to stand up and let's just worship God for a little bit. Is that all right? Yeah. Steve's got some funky beats, so let's just go along with that funk. Yeah.